baseball fans. It's time to take a trip from coast to coast across Major League Baseball. There it goes, a long drive. If it stays fair, home run. One strike away. Sandy into his windup. Here's the pitch. Swung out and missed a perfect game. Fly ball deep left center. Grissom on the run. Yes, yes, yes. The Atlanta Braves have given you a championship. Listen to this crowd. Braves and baseball talk straight from the diamond. Here's Grant McCauley. Hello again, and welcome to another episode of From the Diamond. As always, I'm Grant McCauley, and it's time for our weekly chat about the Atlanta Braves and the ups and the downs, and there were quite a few of those latter, unfortunately, over the last week or so. And we'll get into all of that and get you set for what's coming up for the Braves as well. Gabe Burns of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution is set to join me as always. But before we get started, I want to remind you, you can find From the Diamond on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. Leave those ratings and reviews. If you would be so nice as to share it with a friend, that would be appreciated as well. You can connect with the show and with me on social media. You can find From the Diamond at From the Diamond underscore on Twitter. I am at Grant McCauley on Twitter and at Grant McCauley on Instagram. And the show is at From the Diamond with no underscore on Instagram. If you're looking for a great place to catch every episode of the show, as well as articles and videos and anything else I come up with, FromTheDiamond.com is the place to do that. So to get things started on our Braves discussion for this week, I want to welcome Gabe Burns back into the show. He, as always, covers the Braves for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, and you can follow him on Twitter at GabeBurnsAJC. And uh, Gabe, welcome back. I wish we were talking about a team that was kind of getting its footing, which we were hoping that this homestand was going to represent. Maybe it will by the time it's all said and done, but the Braves continue to stumble as the days on the calendar of the month of May just keep turning and turning and turning. This is a club that's still trying to find itself. Yeah, you know, we talked about how important this home stand could be, and they've started it off. They lost two out of three to the Mets, just barely avoided being swept. Mm-hmm. And then they lose a disappointing game to the Pirates, so certainly not the home stand that they were hoping for so far. No, and really, when I look at it, I mean, the Braves just can't seem to get the offense they need most of these nights. The leads that they've been able to grab, they seem to disappear in the middle or late innings. Then, of course, extra innings have been a complete disaster. And the games that the Braves have been able to hang around in always seem to go the other way because the bats have just been so bad late in games in general. It's a team that's not clicking, Gabe, and whether it's been the injury, the inconsistency, or simply some attrition, Atlanta's just not playing like the team we've seen the past few years. They just don't seem to have that extra gear. It's like all the good fortune and energy they had in the past few years. It's, it's gone the complete other way now, right? Yeah. You know, they're 1-9 in nine in games tied after eight innings. That's a pretty crazy stat. They're one in five in extras. And if you remember the extra inning game they won, it took literally everything. It was a wild game. Mm-hmm. I think they were down three runs heading into the bottom of the 11th. Just, yeah, nothing's clicking for this team. They're out of sync. You know, their best players haven't consistently performed. Um, the lower end guys on the roster haven't proven to be guys worth sticking around, and that's hurt them, uh, specifically in the bullpen. You know, I guess you could say, hey, they're lucky to only be three and a half games out. But, you know, (laughs) it is hard to be a ton of games out in, you know, mid to late May, um, unless you're just a terrible team. And and they're not. But they're certainly disappointing. They're mediocre. And they're going to keep saying we're going to get this thing clicking. And they should feel that way. And Snit should support his players. And 
their base talent suggests, sure, you know, maybe if they went on a run, like I don't think anyone would be too surprised, but it doesn't feel like they're on the cusp of something like that. So certainly for them to to be where they are right now, it, it is disappointing. Yeah, it's definitely disappointing. And no, it doesn't feel like that run is right around the corner. I know Brian Snitker said something to the effect of, hey, we're one winning streak away from turning this thing around, maybe jumping into first place. And that's true. Mathematically speaking, the Braves aren't buried. I mean, the National League East is still wide open and we still have basically three quarters of the season to play. But you just don't feel that kind of optimism when you watch this club play. Specifically, Gabe, as you just pointed out, games tied in the eighth inning or later, you've won one of those 10 games. I mean, that's the difference in a club that could be four or five games over 500 and a club that's routinely three, four, five games under 500. And it's the exact difference between the Braves we saw in 2020 and in 2019 that just always seemed to find it in the seventh inning or later. You never ruled them out of a game if they were down a couple of runs. If they were down four or five runs, there were those nights where the Braves were going to figure that thing out. But I haven't had that kind of optimism with this year's club, and I, I don't know, you know how to put my finger on it other than to say there are some guys who aren't performing in the lineup. That seems to be pretty obvious most nights, but I know that as we've gone through the last two, three, four weeks, really the, over the course of the season for the most part, this bullpen has also not come together. They've got Chris Martin back. They've got Shane Green on the way, but I just don't feel like They've still found the right mix out of that group just yet, and it has to be tough to keep watching these games that are winnable slipping away late and turning into yet another loss for this team. Yeah, I mean, it's unfortunate for them. uh, You know, again, they keep maintaining positivity as they should and talk about how they could easily rip off a run, and over the past three years, that's exactly what they've done. Okay, sure, but if you just look at the vibe around the team, just how this thing feels, it just does not feel the same. And some of these things can't really be explained. I mean, obviously guys aren't playing at their best, but just the whole feel around the team, um, it does feel off. And I think even fans can sense that. So that said, long way to go. Long season, like what, 118 games. So, you know, I'm not burying them uh, when they're three and a half games out, four games under 500 this early. A lot of things can change. We see it. All the time with teams, uh, every, you know, obviously the Nationals are the easiest example with, with how they started. And they had, you know, a heck of a rotation when they went. You see it in football. I mean, teams get off to bad starts and they can recover. Um, but there's just nothing right now roster-wise, performance-wise, that, that kind of gives you optimism that there's some big turnaround coming. And, and you know, I mean, they're four games under 500, and it's like the, you know, parcels you are, what your record says you are. I mean, in baseball, you look at the way they've played, you kind of look at the injuries, like, they, it feels right. Um, they don't feel better than their record. So, again, a lot of things can change, but um, obviously they're frustrated and they're disappointed. Um, they thought that they were going to be a team – with, you know, like the Cardinals record, the Padres record in that conversation, not in the conversation where you're closer to the Marlins in the standings. Yeah, not only that, but you look at a club like the Pirates that comes in this weekend. I mean, they're a team that you don't expect much out of, and they've managed to maybe exceed those expectations in the very early going of this season. But again, there's a lot of baseball left to be played, and the Pirates are probably going to lose quite a few games there. But the Braves weren't coming in thinking about how many games they're going to lose. They, of course, were, as you pointed out, thinking about how many games they were going to win and probably how many wins it's going to take to win their fourth consecutive National League East crown and get back into the playoffs and handle their unfinished business. But you mentioned that the team's probably disappointed, and there was plenty of disappointment that went around this past week. And 
Perhaps none is bigger than adding injury to insult in a wild game up in Milwaukee. Waskari Noah finally had that truly bad start, but the Braves bats, they made a game out of it. And even though they'd go on to lose, the real loss was revealed afterwards when Brian Snicker revealed that Enoa broke a bone in his pitching hand when he punched the bench in frustration after leaving that start. So uh, that's going to cost Enoa and the Braves at least a couple of months of the man who had been their best pitcher this year. And Gabe, I don't know any other way to say it other than this one stinks. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's unfortunate for Anoa. He knows it was a stupid mistake. I think we've all done stupid things when we were 22. So I'm not going to hammer him for it. But it ruined what was a really, really – I mean, we talked about it on here every week, a really special season for him. And, you know, he was establishing himself in the rotation, and now he loses that. So uh, wishing a speedy recovery for him. But obviously that's a huge blow to the Braves because he was their best starter. So – if you look at it from that standpoint, uh, they lost their ace. Yeah, as weird as that is to say, so it's just another piece of adversity that this team is dealing with. It was unnecessary, um, and Noah had had so few bad outings. I guess he he was just having a tough time handling that one. But yeah, I, I mean, just a big blow, and uh, we'll see how they wind up covering those uh, starts and innings. Yeah, and I feel like we spent a lot of time on the show talking about what the Braves rotation could do to help out the Atlanta bullpen. And lately, we've kind of been seeing some of that. Drew Smiley's looked a little bit better. Charlie Morton, last time out, finally had a start I think he could be very proud of. Mike could have gone seven or more innings were it not for the situation of the game where the Braves were trying to strike for some more runs. But regardless, those were two guys you were expecting something out of. Max Freed is back, healthy, has looked pretty good lately. And Ian Anderson has looked good for the most part this year. So having Enoa, that was a pretty good starting five, even dealing with the disappointment of not having Mike Soroka around. So the Braves are already having to move around some pieces to try to cover for the loss of Soroka long term. And of course, we don't know when he exactly he's going to jump on a mound or be able to help the Atlanta Professional Baseball Club in the not too distant future. We don't expect it, I guess, is the best way to say that. But losing Enoa, who had been a pleasant surprise for the Braves, a great development, that one's a pretty tough one for a club that was just trying to get that rotation established and then go to work on trying to figure out the best ways to fortify that bullpen. But getting some more innings from the starters, that's certainly helpful. Lately, though, the starters, I think, have done their job for the most part. The bullpen has just had a lot of trouble being able to hold on to leads. And it's been individual struggles. There have been some from A.J. Minter. There, of course, have been some from Jacob Webb. We'll talk about those in a couple of minutes. But as I look back to that Milwaukee series, the Inoa loss was kind of a damper on that weekend because the Braves were able to go up there and take that series. Then their division rival Mets come to town without Jacob deGrom and looking like a team that was really down on its luck. In fact, looking a little bit like a triple-A team, save a couple of names, and the Braves proceeded to lose two out of three in a very frustrating fashion in their first encounter with New York. Suffice it to say, Gabe, that was not what Atlanta was hoping for in their first go-round with the Mets this year. No, I mean, Grant, they were down McNeil, they were down Conforto, uh, deGrom, Carrasco and Thor haven't even pitched yet. You right. missed Stroman. There's no way around it. That was bad. You need to win two out of three in that series, period, given where the Mets were roster-wise. So for them, and again, they came really close to being swept. And just the fact that, you know, the Mets came in and played like that, I mean, testament to them. They had some guys step up, but that kind of sums it up right there. For them to come home, I mean, they have the the most home losses in the National League now, I believe, so – for them to have come home, and that was a prime opportunity. Take two out of three, feel a little better about yourself. You know, just remember, hey, we're the three-time division champions. New York has won nothing yet. Uh, that was a good opportunity to maybe, you know, help 
just mentally. That didn't happen. And then you follow it up with Pittsburgh. And you know what? They might win the next three against Pittsburgh. And that's what they should do. They should take three out of four in that series. But it's a lot of should. They could win these games. They could win these games. And, and it just hasn't happened. And uh, and that's how you end up at 20 and 24. Yeah. I think it's been a woulda, coulda, shoulda type of season for the Braves. And not only was the Inoa injury, of course, frustrating, but the second injury scare for Ronald Acuna Jr. when he didn't cross the first base bag right and missed the Milwaukee series, the majority of it. It wasn't available for that, but amazingly, is already back in the lineup after what was a pretty scary moment for him. He's had two or three of those this year, particularly the hit by pitch. Uh, also, the weird abdominal muscle injury he suffered on a slide. But for the most part, Ronald's been out there, but he's not going to be able to do it by himself. I think Freddie Freeman has looked a little bit better lately, but when you get in the middle of that order, you're just not getting what you need to get. And we'll dive into that just a bit more. But kind of circling back to the Met series, which was the highest of highs, I think, and the lowest of lows, if you want to call the Acuna walk-off the highest of highs. That certainly was great. You avoided a sweep there. Uh, but Jacob Webb hitting Kevin Pillar in the face with a pitch on Tuesday night. Gabe, that's a pretty scary scene, but Pillar really proved that he's one tough customer. He was able to get up and walk off the field. Of course, he looked like he'd been through a war the next day, but that's the kind of thing that I think sticks with you for a while in your thoughts if you're Jacob Webb. But that whole situation, I, I think, just kind of showed you the human element of the game that we sometimes forget about with the way that these guys are competing, but they are, in fact, still people. And the graciousness of Kevin Pillar to Jacob Webb, who certainly felt terrible about that happening, uh, just a pitch that got away from him, that was an interesting exchange between those two men. And I'm certainly glad that Kevin Pillar was able to avoid a very serious injury because I think we all feared the worst when he went down. I'm glad Pillar's okay. You're, you're right. Both of those guys um, handled that with you know, as gracefully as you can. Uh, in the time I've done this professionally since 2017, uh, that one and what happened to Charlie Culberson in Washington mm -hmm. are the two worst that I can remember. So, again, I mean, I'm glad that, that Pilar is going to be okay. That was brutal. Jacob kept stressing I wasn't trying to hit him. It's, you know, the situation, there's no way he was trying to hit him. He was trying to be really careful there, but it's like, you look at the situation. We know you weren't trying to hit him. But, yeah, I mean, tough for Jacob when he, he talked to reporters the next day and he – he still seemed a bit rattled. And, you know, I, last night was his first appearance since. And that did not go well for him. So, certainly, I, I, he's going through a tough time right now, just all around. This was a guy who really, uh, you know, entering this year, he had been really, really effective uh, in his major league career. And now he's kind of hitting a bump in the road. So, we'll, we'll see how he responds. Yeah, you know, obviously, this kind of thing is a big setback. Mentally, it's something he'll have to put behind him. And I think he's tough enough to do that. He's had some rough outings, some mental lapses in the field, a bad throw. Uh, maybe he got some undue grief from myself, among others, when it came to maybe not covering first base on a play where Freddie Freeman wanted to go home, couldn't get it home. It was just in a very short amount of time, Jacob Webb has had a few episodes that uh, probably he would like to forget. None bigger than the Kevin Pillar incident. But when we go back to projecting the Braves' bullpen in our preview series back in spring training, I think most everyone expected Jacob Webb to be on the team on opening day. But he was optioned out to the alternate site and didn't come back up until the Braves started having some injury woes in the bullpen. But you're right. I mean, this has been an arm the last couple of years were it not for an injury that I think would have already established himself as one of the Braves' better right-handed options, at least in the middle innings, if not a little bit more. So... It's been pretty disappointing this season for Jacob Webb, but I can't help but feel for him when you go through something like that Pilar incident because, again, that's something that's going to stick with him for a little while. But I know as the Braves' bullpen has struggled and struggled and struggled, and Jacob Webb has been maybe the poster boy of that of late, he along with A.J. Minter, 
you're going to need these guys to figure it out at some point this season because Alex Anthopoulos can go out and make a couple trades. He signed Shane Green and going to be having him come in and try to help out this bullpen as well. But you're not going to be able to replace this entire bullpen. Some of these guys are simply going to have to get the job done and overcome some of the adversity that's been staring them directly in the face for the majority of the 2021 season. Smith said last night, you know, he stayed away from Will Smith, who's pitched, I think, five of seven days. He stayed away from Luke Jackson, who's pitched three of four. And he was like, and look, other guys have to perform too. Like, other guys just have to do their jobs. Yeah. You know, Newcomb wasn't great last night, and he's a guy who we've talked about a lot in the bullpen, and we'll see if he can harness that, you know, aggressiveness again. But this is kind of what he is at this point. He's a little bit of a tease. Um, and then you have Webb, who's obviously you just laid it out. He, he's had a rough patch. Uh, uh, Green can't get here soon enough for them. Right. He'll start, he'll, I mean, to put it bluntly, uh, he'll be a big help. I think I would certainly consider him in, in some ninth inning situations as well. I don't want to write him as the savior or anything, but, I mean, it is really big that they re-signed him because they do at least so. Well, Green's coming back. If, if he had signed somewhere else, then they wouldn't have that little, I guess, light at the end of the tunnel um, to talk about when it comes to their bullpen right now. So, yeah, it's been a disappointing group. Alex is taking heat from fans. And, and look, I mean, you let those three – you let, well, two of them go because Green's coming back. But you let Melanson go. You let O'Day go. These guys were not replaced. Mentor has not been great. That bullpen last year was incredible. And it was going to be hard to replicate that even if they had kept those guys. But the drop-off has just been um, – I mean, it's been huge, and it's a large part of why they're where they are. The fall has been precipitous for the Braves' bullpen, to use a nice $2 word here. But when I look at what the Braves' bullpen did last year, I think it was able to because it was a 60-game season. But if you had asked that group to do it 102 more times, I'm not sure the Braves would have been playing in October because the rotation was in complete shambles last year and really didn't find itself until late in the season and then pitched probably the best it did all year when we got into October. So it's a really crazy turn of events to see the Braves have a strength that was so noticeable last year and tested time in and time out, day after day after day. And then some of the biggest contributors to that bullpen, save Shane Green, who is coming back, but not under the circumstances I think most people would have liked it because everyone, I think, to a man in that clubhouse as well, would have liked to have seen Shane Green on the opening day roster, helping out from day one. But Mark Melanson going back to California... That was a big blow to the Braves' bullpen. And I know you and I both talked about how important it is to have that consistency back there, and he brought that. And we can do all the armchair GM and and do it all in hindsight because Melanson's sitting out there with the Padres with, what, 14 saves already here six, seven weeks into the season and has been exactly what the Padres need in the ninth inning. Some stuff just didn't work out for the Braves when it came to expecting an A.J. Minter to step up. Leaning a little bit on a Jacob Webb right now, It just has not panned out thus far. But if the Braves are able to get Shane Green in, and Gabe, I I want to throw this out there because I know you just said it, you can't expect him to come in and save this thing all by himself. In fact, if Shane Green comes in and struggles, I think Braves fans are going to reach a new critical mass when it comes to how frustrated they are with the woes of the Braves' bullpen, will they not? Yeah, no, they would. But Green, I mean... He gives you another option. A big part of last year's bullpen was depth, too. And you're right, actually, about the 60-game thing. 
That's a really good point. They were having to carry the load, and the Braves were extremely fortunate. I mean, heck, right now we'd be uh, getting close to the end of the season. Yeah, you know, uh, last year. So, oh uh, man, it's it's just it gives you another option. It gives you a guy who we have seen perform in this uniform. You know, you kind of know what you're going to get out of him. At least you hope you do. We've said that about guys before, and you know. But they need more reliable options at this point. You know, when you're spending, you know, you're having Jesse Biddle come in and Carl Edwards and Nate Jones and all these guys that they've just run through. And look, they came into spring training and and Alex told me, we just need to kind of find a diamond in the rough. We need to do it with our bench. We need to do it with the bullpen. I would say they've done it with the bench with Pablo. Yeah. Um, no one expected Pablo to be near setting records, <laughs> you know, as a, as a pinch hitter right now. So, and Adrianza, the bench, they found some guys, Heredia, the bullpen, man, it's just, you know, Nate Jones was so good in spring training. That didn't work out. I think he's in the minors with the Dodgers now. It's just, they're, they're running through guys and it's not working. They haven't been able to replace those guys they've lost. It's been a big part of the story, and Snit has kind of defended him, and he's mentioned, well, we need to be scoring more runs, mm-hmm. and he's right, and I'm sure we're going to get to the offense in a second. But that doesn't really excuse the bullpen struggles either. So, again, it's been it's just been an underwhelming effort all around from the team. Yeah, I mean, this bullpen is a mess. There's no two ways about that. There are some guys that are performing most nights, but you haven't really been able to count on the full group effort to turn those leads into wins the Braves have needed to, especially late in games where, as you mentioned, we will get to the offense when you're not hitting at the rate to which the Braves are not hitting in the late innings. You're not going to have a chance to really salvage some of these games because when you talk about the 162-game season, I think it was Bobby Cox who's celebrating his 80th birthday this weekend, as a matter of fact, you're going to win 54, you're going to lose 54. It's what happens in the other 54 that's going to tell the tale of your season. I remember him telling me that as a 24, 25-year-old kid, just lucky enough to be sitting in the office trying to learn a couple things about baseball from somebody who'd been doing it for decades. But it rings true, and there's different ways that's been said. That quote's been attributed to different people. It's hardly breaking news. But right now, this first 54 games of the season for the Braves, it hasn't been great. It hasn't been the worst in baseball, but there's been a lot of discouraging trends in there. And with this bullpen, that's something that, you know, Brian Snitker's taken some heat about how he's managed this. And there are some days I think it's kind of unwarranted frustrations because somebody's got to step up. They've got to do their job. It can't all be on the manager or the pitching coach because nothing is working. And then there are other days where I legitimately don't know exactly what the line of thought is when it comes to some of the decisions that are made. I know it has to do with the workload and trying to manage that and over 162 games. I understand that's a difficult job, and I'm not going to sit here and tell you that it's not. Jacob Webb in the 10th inning on Thursday night, for example, uh, we alluded to this earlier, but I, I want to get into it at least just a little bit. That I just don't feel like that's where I would throw him out there to get him back on track. No, I wouldn't have either. In fact, uh, if you're going to – I mean, I would have started with Grant Dayton Me before him. Uh, Dayton came in that inning. I, I would have just went ahead and, and rolled with him. And, you know, he had already used uh, Matt Zeck and Martin – who are the two best guys, and you could argue, you know, why not use Webb earlier and save one of those? You can make several arguments, but you're right. Uh, some of the bullpen decisions have been a bit curious, to say the least, and that's just played a role in it. Yeah, it certainly has. And Grant Dayton's been a, a very strange arm in general in that, yeah, he has spent some time on the injured list, but when he's not on the injured list, he'll go long times without pitching and I don't know that that's who you want to throw in in a tie game in the late innings either. Of course, you'd rather be using Will Smith or Matt Zeck or Martin or somebody comparable again if those guys have already pitched. That The problem is 
there's nobody comparable to those arms. As you pointed out, Gabe, they're the best they've got. So, you know, Brian Snicker is going to have to continue trying to make the best of exactly what he has on this roster, whether a little bit of heat goes on him or Alex Anthopoulos or the fact that, hey, some of these guys are simply underperforming and there's really just not a, a viable solution to that at the moment. Maybe some trades down the line can strengthen that group, but somebody or somebody's plural are going to have to get going, and hopefully Shane Green will be one of the people that gives a little stabilizing force to the Braves' bullpen. But you, you talked about the Braves' offense, and we're going to talk about it a lot here. I looked at a few of the trends to figure out why the Braves' offense has gone from being one of the best in baseball last year, and really in 2019 it was pretty good as well, to where they are right now, which is extreme struggles and bad luck, I would say, are pretty high on the list. Atlanta's batting average on balls put in play entering the weekend series with Pittsburgh was tied for the worst in baseball. They have a team batting average of under 230 coming into the weekend. Their expected batting average, according to Baseball Savant, is just over 250. And the Braves are only a fraction behind the Twins on the other side of this coin for best hard hit percentage by a team in baseball and the highest barrel rate. They're leading the National League in that. And Gabe, I know we like to look at numbers in baseball. We count everything. It can all tell us something. But um, the Braves obviously have struggled. Minnesota's been very bad in the American League. It's kind of strange to see two teams hitting the ball that hard that often and not being rewarded for it. But when I look at all this hard-hit contact, I think that it would net the Braves results that would at least at some point start to resemble the 2020 version of this club, would it not? That's what you would think. <laughs> you know, Freddie has been really uh, victimized by bad luck so far, for sure. And you know, maybe things are going to turn around for him. You know, he had two blue pits last night, so maybe he'll uh, maybe he'll start to get some cheapies going his way. But again, I, you look at the way that this a team with this level of talent has started, and of course, it's underperformance, it's disappointment from some of these guys you were hoping would step up. And luck is always an element to everything. Luck is an element to who wins the World Series. I mean, it's just a huge part of it. And uh, sometimes it, it can't totally be explained. In this case, it, it can kind of be explained. I think it's going to turn around. But at the same time, I think I've been on here every week saying I think it's going to turn around. So, And it still hasn't done. There's plenty of time for it to do that. But um, offensively, you expect this team to be one of the best. You know, you expect this to be one of the best offenses in MLB. Uh, that just hasn't that just hasn't happened. So uh, we'll sit here and keep waiting for the tide to turn. And I think what Snit has kind of been suggesting is you expected the offense to be better to maybe where it would help cover up. So, you know, if the bullpen wasn't as good, like they expected that to maybe cover up some other issues, and it just hasn't been able to. So can Riley keep it going? Dansby's had two straight games now with multiple hits. Good lord, uh, did he need it? Um, maybe he can figure something out, but. Uh, get Freddie going. Ozuna has, again, I mean, you're just going through the order, and there's just so many guys who are who are underachieving. And uh, you would just think, Grant, at some point that this thing is going to change. Yeah, so I'm looking at the Braves' qualified hitters. It's just in batting average, which clearly there's a lot that we could extrapolate beyond this. But you got Austin Riley leading the team with a 298 average. Ronald Acuna Jr. down to 280 after his really hot start. He's kind of had some Ups and downs as well, which is to be expected over the course of 162 games. Freddie Freeman, though, just now getting to over 230 for the season. Dansby Swanson at 222. Ozzie Albies, 219. Marcelo Zuna batting 201. If you want to just, you know, do the OPS thing, I think that's fine to do as well. You got Ronald Acuna Jr. leading the way. Just over 1,000 on the OPS. 852 for Austin Riley. 832 for Freddie Freeman. 
Ozzie Albies is the only other Braves regular with an OPS, that's on-base plus slugging, over 700. That's not great news. And Marcel Ozuna, under 600 on the season. So, Gabe, that kind of brings me to my next point is, as you start to look at these numbers and we start to get more and more of a sample size, you know, whether it's me, you, Braves fans, Brian Snitker, Kevin Seitzer, or any Braves player to a man that says, look, this thing's going to turn around, it just hasn't seemed to click for whatever reason. And if it has clicked, it's not clicking for long, and it's not enough guys that are the links in that chain that are keeping this lineup productive. So I don't want to start ghostwriting the lineup card for Brian Snitker or anything, but after Ronald Acuna Jr. at the top of the order and Freddie Freeman batting second, it's just not looking great for Marcelo Zuna in the third spot and Ozzie Albies in the cleanup spot later either. So maybe it's time to take a hot bat like Austin Riley, give him a chance to bat third, bump Ozuna down a spot, bump Albies down a spot, and just try to ride the hot hand, if you want to call it that, and tap into that hot hitter in a spot that gets him more plate appearances, take a little bit of pressure off those other couple of hitters that you expect to come around at some point, maybe in the not-too-distant future. But is that something that you think would work for the Braves or something that you think we might see for the Braves if these current results continue over a longer period of time? To me, that that would be what I would do. I'm far from a manager. You're far from a manager. Correct. So, you know, but, uh, yeah, that, I mean, that's the easy move to make. O'Reilly's playing out of his mind. Eventually, there's probably going to be some regression here. But right now, this is the time. Capitalize on it. Uh, it's just not working with Ozuna right now. It's just not really happening. I would hit Riley third. Again, like you said, maybe guys fall into place. You know, you just want to get – we've seen Ozuna when he gets rolling. There's been little here and there this season, but it just hasn't really happened, as you've mentioned, over a greater period of time. Uh, obviously, we've seen Ozzy. Um, here lately, you know, even so, uh, yeah, I mean, that's the easiest thing. I think, you know, we'll keep seeing how Contreras develops. You know, that was a big hit he had last night. I think he had four homers in his first 54 at bats. Um, so he's a guy who's, you know, getting around. Uh, we'll see where his offense is by even by season's end, because I, I think he's going to be a pretty potent player as well. So, but the easiest thing, uh, definitely Riley in the third spot. Yeah, and it just allows those other guys to be bumped down, not permanently per se, but if Austin Riley gets going for a while and having his bat grouped together with Acuna and Freeman, that's kind of the top three that is is the most potent and the best you got, you might as well string these hitters together the best way you can. And Brian Snitker's had to do this in 2019 and in 2020, where he's had to change the initial plan a couple of times, and then they finally seem to find this lineup that works. And again, as you came into this year, the big question was, is Austin Riley going to be able to put a lot of these things together? I think for the most part thus far, he has answered that question. And in fact, I think he has outplayed any realistic expectation that folks had for him in terms of what he was going to do this year to take that big step forward. I think you kind of owe it to yourself if you're the Braves to figure out something that works. And for a guy like Austin Riley, he's kind of earned an opportunity, I think, to continue moving up in the order as he has, but maybe a little bit more responsibility for the kid is exactly what the Braves need to kind of kickstart this lineup, because you got to try something. I, I feel like you can't just sit there and say, eventually these guys are going to turn it on, because if you wait too long, all of a sudden it's June, and if you're still kind of underperforming and you haven't done much about it, I think that's where the seat starts to get a little bit hotter and hotter. Not that I think Brian Snicker's going anywhere, but it can't be a pleasurable experience every night to keep waiting for something to happen and not be rewarded for your patience with that, and you want the manager to be patient, but there's a line somewhere, I guess, to make a long story short. Well, there's no risk and there's a high reward. I mean, you're not going to mess up any offensive rhythm by moving some guys around, right? So to me, that's the easy move to make right now. 
uh, again, like Acuna was playing out of his mind those first, you know, couple weeks. I mean, he's been great all year, like you said. He's, he's had some stretches here, but I mean, obviously, he's an MVP candidate. But I mean, Riley's probably been their best player for the last 25 games or whatever. I mean, he's been great. So this lineup, it's not productive right now. You can't move to Acuna to lead off this time. He's already there. So you can't move Freddie to two. He's, so uh, the move to make is to move Riley up. And again, you're not going to, you're not going to disrupt anything because this, this lineup just isn't working right now anyway. So give it a try. And maybe when guys get rolling, you can just continue to move it around again. But with the way they're playing, this whole thing just has to be fluid. Yeah. If so I was looking at Ozzy Albies, who's gone cold in the last you know week or so, but he hit safely in 18 out of 19 games and moving into the fourth spot. I don't think that's a bad spot for him, but maybe he's pressing a little bit more right now. Maybe it's just kind of one of those times for him where you got to kind of figure it out. And I think hitting somewhere in the middle of the order is something that will agree with an Ozzy Albies. And I think that Marcelo Zuna, over the course of his career, has shown you that he's a guy you can count on for power. He's a guy that can be a run producer, but he's a guy right now that is still trying to really string some hits together. He's hitting bad luck some. He's looked better the last three or four weeks, but then he'll have some games where you just kind of wonder if he's back to where he was the first three or four weeks of the season. Patience is important. It's a virtue, as they say. A manager's got to have an awful lot of patience to make it through 162 games. This is not a fantasy team where you just start dropping guys because you don't like them and picking up somebody off free agency. This is the tough stuff. This is managing the people, managing the players, and trying to get the most out of them. It's a difficult job, and sometimes, quite frankly, Things just don't go the way you want them to, and you can, as bad as you want it as a fan, to see it get better. Nobody wants it more than the players, and I'm sure no one wants to see it happen more than Brian Snicker right now either. So we'll see what he's able to do, what he decides to do when it comes to maybe bumping the lineup around. But I like something else you pointed out. I mean, maybe you even consider bumping up a William Contreras right now, uh, up a spot or two in the order, and a Guillermo Heredia maybe ahead of Dansby Swanson if Dansby is not really showing you what you need to see. Last couple of games notwithstanding, it's been a tough season for him. I don't know if these things would make everything work and everything click, and I'm certainly not hitting the panic switch over a lackluster start, but I think Brian Snitker is going to have to get creative to kickstart this group and not just chalk it up to bad luck or track records and just continue to wait it out. Yeah, no, it's definitely not panic at all. It's just you just have to figure out what works, and I know that there's not, there's naturally just not a huge sense of urgency, but I mean, look, we're almost to June. This does, mm-hmm. we talk about how long it is. It does kind of sneak up on you. Like, it feels like just yesterday we were talking about, well, you know, it's early. And it, it isn't really early anymore. I mean, this is it. Like, we're about to be in June. Like, you, this team needs to get rolling now. So it's not panic. It's just a matter of you just have to figure out what works. And you're right. You can't just do nothing and chalk it up to bad luck. I know these guys are going to hit. I know that Dansby's better than this. I know Freddie's better than this. I know. Marcel is better than this, and these guys will figure it out. Um, you have to be proactive. And look, uh, I think Snit is a good manager. I am not a manager in the slightest, but I'm just saying that when it comes to this kind of stuff, I mean, you just kind of have to try to make change happen. And the best way to do that, we agree, is to just uh, give Riley a, a trial run hitting third until maybe things stabilize a bit. Yeah, I think that could help. As you look ahead at the schedule for the remainder of the month as we wrap things up this week, I mean, I wish there were more you know, fun, positive storylines to talk about for the Braves. I think fans enjoy those a lot more. I know the players do. And it's a lot more fun to talk about winning than it is talking about losing. But I guess really you just have to start forecasting and thinking, what do the Braves need to do to close out the month of May? Feeling pretty good about where they are as they turn the calendar to the month of June. Well, they got three games against the Pirates coming up this weekend. That's an opportunity to start climbing back up toward 500. 
as we said many times, the Braves are just going to have to flush the previous day and move on to the next one and see what they're able to do. And hopefully guys start hitting and string the hits together. And some of these bullpen pieces will stabilize as well because the rotation, as I talked about a little bit earlier on, that has looked a little bit better. I know Drew Smiley got you know, knocked around for a couple of home runs in that start against the Pirates. But at this point, I don't really feel like we can have the debate of should the Braves have signed Drew Smiley. They've signed him. And they need him to be as good as he can be. In the last three starts, at least, Gabe, I've been more encouraged about that. And that couldn't be any bigger and any more important, he and Charlie Morton getting going, than when you lose a guy like Enoa and when Mike Soroka suffers a setback that may keep him from pitching at all in 2021. Those are guys you're going to have to lean on quite a bit as well. Yeah, and you look at Charlie's stuff. Again, like, look past the ERA or whatever. I mean, that stuff is still crisp. You can see why he's still a productive pitcher at age 37, right? Um, I think Charlie is, is going to be fine. Um, his last start was good. Yeah, Smiley, it's been encouraging. You know, he kind of had some remarks last night where he made it clear that he thinks he's been having a good season. There's just been a pitch here or there that's disrupted that. I don't really agree, but he's been better lately. So it'll be big for them. You know, I keep saying it, you know, whatever they spin on and the, the they don't need him to be an all-star. They just they need somebody solid who can do pretty much what he did last night. I mean, look, he gave up two homers, but he pitched six innings. He gave him a chance to win, right? Um, that's the bottom line. That's what they need out of him. And that's kind of what, you know, lately he's showing he can do. So uh, certainly an encouraging trend for him. I think Charlie's going to be good. We've seen Freed starting to become who he is again. Uh, yeah, you're right. The rotation's in better shape than it was. They need to get other things straightened out. Yeah, but it all goes together. And when the rotation's able to routinely cover six or seven innings, then I think the Braves are in much better shape. And one of the things that we noticed in that game against the Mets, not to get lost in the weeds of small stuff, but without the DH, Brian Snitker had to make a choice. Do I want more offense here with the bases loaded and two outs and send Pablo Sandoval up there? Or do I value throwing Charlie Morton out there for the seventh inning? So run scoring versus run prevention. And when your bullpen's struggling... That's a difficult call. I love the fact that Pablo went up there and hit the ball hard. I hate that it was right at somebody and the Braves didn't get any runs out of that. And then, of course, for A.J. Minter, what should have been a 1-2-3 inning turned into a big fat mess thanks to a throwing error, and that's been a tough go for A.J. There's no two ways about it. I still think he's one of the better arms in terms of pure stuff for the Braves, but we've said A.J. Minter and pure stuff and one of the better arms for a long time here. He showed us a lot in 2020, but 2021 has had some forgettable moments for him. It's a long season. You need him to get it right. But, you know, those are the kind of frustrations the Braves have been facing on a nightly basis. And a lot of times you can just change the name and it's a similar result. So be that as it may, you know, the rotation success is going to feed into the Braves starting to stabilize and win some baseball games and put together the kind of run that they need to to get back on track and get to where they want to be. Uh, They're going to have a couple of days off before the end of the month, sandwiched around a two-game series at Fenway against the Boston Red Sox, who've been, I think, surprisingly good this year, at least in terms of offense they have been. Then they're going to go up and see the Mets up at City Field, and Jacob deGrom very well could be back by that time. I'm not sure what the exact timeline will be on that and if the Braves will see him, but it's a very real possibility, so that's always a fun time. And then the Braves will come back home on Memorial Day and open up a series against the Washington Nationals. So, Gabe, you're right. I mean, the month of May is blitzing right by, and the Braves, as of right now, have... Looks like nine games left to kind of have the month of May be a little bit closer to what they were hoping for and to make a little bit of noise in the National League East standings. They do get a rematch with the Mets. I think they have to be looking forward to that to maybe go up to the Mets place and take two out of three up there and give them a receipt for what happened down here in Atlanta. 
Yeah, it'll be a big series. Um, they have some tough opponents coming up. If you look at their schedule for for the next month, it's not going to be easy. I think the Dodgers come to town next month too. Yep. Um, I mean, like you mentioned Boston has been quite a surprise. Um, they're hitting. Uh, J.D. Martinez is back, uh, back to himself, that is. And it doesn't get any easier. That's why I'm saying, like, this is why you need to take three out of four from the Pirates of the world. Like they Now, they play the Nationals well, so they've got that. But if they turn it around, they're going to earn it because they're going to – I mean, when if they get going, they're going to be beating some pretty good teams here coming up. Yeah, you're right. The month of June is you open up with the Nationals, which, again, is a team you should beat up on because they've been having a tough year and the Braves have played them pretty well. But then it's the Dodgers, the Phillies, the Marlins. Those always seem to be uh, hotly contested games for whatever reason. It's a, been a budding rivalry for a little while between these two clubs. At least there's no love loss on some nights. Then you welcome the Red Sox to town. The Cardinals will come in for four games after that. Then it's three more games on the road against the New York Mets. And then you get to go up to Great American Ballpark to play the Reds which is not a fun place to pitch. So the Braves pitching staff would like to have more answers than questions by the time you get to the end of June. But we don't want to hit the fast-forward button too much, but that's a look ahead, Gabe. You're absolutely right. If they're going to turn this season around, it's going into the teeth of the schedule against some clubs and on the road to some places that may not be the most fun to play. So the Braves, they're going to have to bring their A game more times than not if they want to get back above 500 and stay there and make some noise in the National League East standings. Yeah, it's going to be earned. I mean, there's no way around it. Like, they're not getting many breaks with the schedule. You know, the Phillies are 500 right now, but we know how competitive those games with the Braves are. It's always something in that series, right? Um, even going back to, you know, Gabe Kapler on opening day. <laughs> you know, look, the Marlins beat them three out of four the last time they played. I think that's the only series they've had this year with them, if I remember right. And, and those guys are tough. You're right. That's another heated series. They have some pitching. Uh, Adam Duvall apparently really is going to like sticking it to the Braves um, based on what we've seen so far. So, yeah, and then the Cardinals, L.A., um, the Red Sox a couple times, the Mets again. It's not your – yeah, I mean, you ran through it. It's not going to be an easy run here. Yeah, it's a tough one. Looking at the National League East standings, the Mets are three games above 500. They are still the only – NLE's team above 500. Phillies come into the weekend or come into Friday at 22 and 22. Marlins 20 and 23. Braves 20 and 24. Nationals 17 and 23. So not a lot of separation between the top of the division and the bottom of the division. Four and a half games. I think this is what Brian Snitker was talking about. Hey, we're a three-game sweep away from maybe jumping into first place or at the very least, you know, making some strides to getting where they want to get to. But like you said, Gabe, it's going to be earned. It's going to be a tough schedule, a tough run for the Braves. And you know, maybe as the weather starts to heat up, these bats will, because a little bit of offense could go a long way towards curing some of the Braves' ills moving forward. Yeah, you're going to feel a lot better about them once they start hitting, that's for sure. Absolutely. Well, Gabe, I appreciate all your time as always. I wish it had been a more eventful week in the ways that Braves fans are hoping to see. Instead, a big injury setback for the Braves and some really frustrating baseball games as we head into the middle and late portion of the month of May. But, you know, hopefully as the team starts to play a little bit better, people will start to feel just a little bit better because I know that online of late, things have been getting a little bit tense in the Braves Twitter universe. I get it. Hey, um, you know, I grew up a Braves fan. So I remember, you know, watching Kimbrell with his arms crossed in the bullpen and how upset yeah. I was then. So, I mean, and also having grown up a Bucks fan, I've, I've watched plenty of losing teams. So, uh, again, this team is, is better than its record. Uh, I think we all just keep sitting here and saying, you know, eventually this tide's going to turn. There's no way a team this talented is going to finish with 
you know, 78 wins or whatever. Mm -hmm. Still haven't seen it. And we'll be on here next week probably talking about, well, you know, maybe they can turn it around. And eventually, maybe they'll have actually turned it around. Well, the Braves might be treading water right now. We're trying to, but we're never treading water on the podcast, Gabe. I always appreciate your time and your expertise and having watched this club day in and day out and having a chance to talk to these guys and and kind of have your finger on the pulse of what's going on with them. So I appreciate it as always. Look forward to chatting with you again next week. Absolutely. Thanks as always to Gabe Burns for making time to join the show today. And thanks as always to you for carving out some time to listen to From the Diamond as well. Make sure you subscribe to From the Diamond. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. Leave those ratings and reviews. If you'd be nice enough as to share it with a friend, that would also be greatly appreciated. On social media, you can find me on Twitter at Grant McCauley. You can find Gabe at Gabe Burns AJC. And you can find the show at From the Diamond underscore on Twitter as well. Over on Instagram, I'm at Grant McCauley. The show is at From the Diamond with no underscore there. And of course, you can catch every episode of the show, all the articles and videos, and everything else I've got for you at FromTheDiamond.com. So that'll wrap us up for this week. Thanks again to Gabe Burns for making some time to talk about the Braves. And thanks again to you out there for making From the Diamond part of your baseball podcast regimen. We look forward to talking to you again next week right here on From the Diamond.